What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Let's go ahead and turn to, to Revelation 21, please. Revelation chapter 21. <clears throat> You guys are, um, are in luck today. Somebody taped the time we're supposed to end on here in bright tape. So somebody loves you. Some people, by the way, uh, uh, are asking why I'm sitting down. It's not because I'm lazy. It's not because my foot hurts. Um, it's because I feel like the Lord wants me to do that. Um, as I turned 50 this past year, um, whoop, whoop, um, I look at my past life in Christ, which has been about 25 years. And as I look at that and I ask the Lord, okay, what, what would I be known for? And please hold your comments because it really doesn't matter. But see, God is not a God of just the past. He's the God of the future. And so it's what do I want to be known for? That's the real question, all right? And sometimes when I preach, I get a little loud. I get a little scary. I get a little, right? I want to be known for love. I want to be known for love. And so why am I sitting here? It's just part of a posture from, from my perspective that I feel like God's put on my heart. I, I want you guys to know I, I love every single one of you that I know. Some of you I don't know, so I don't really love you. That's always weird when the pastor's like, there's a thousand people. I love you guys. No, you don't. You don't know who I am. But those who I do know, I sincerely love. I sincerely love. And so that's the why. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not going to yell. It doesn't mean I'm not going to get up. But that's the why behind the what, okay? With that, um, Alicia, Lisa, Sear, please stand up for a second. We love you. And no, many of you know that uh, she went through uh, surgery, a brain tumor, and it just brought joy to my heart to see your hands raised this morning in worship and adoring our King and I'm just over, overwhelmed with a joy, and I'm just so thankful for you. And, um, and church, let's pray. And pray for uh, Stephen. Amen. Amen. Steve, go ahead and stand up as well. So Lisa is your better half. We know that. But uh, you were there as well, and uh, the traumatic trauma. And so, so let's just go ahead and pray. Father, we just pray. We just pray. We praise you, God, for Lisa and Steve. We praise you, God, just for the awesome couple that they are, the years of following you, the movement that they've had with you, and the generational blessings that we see in their family line as well. Because they said yes to you, Jesus, a long time ago. And so I just thank you, God, and I praise you for all healing comes from you. I pray for just complete restoration. And I pray, God, for, for, for just more, more of you. 
uh, more of uh, your will to be done in their life. And we just thank you and we praise you, God, that you brought them through this trial. And we just celebrate what you have done. So, God, may your blessings be upon them now. And help us as a church to continue to love one another through the ups and the downs of life as we walk together in the oneness that your blood paid for as we are the family of God. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Revelation chapter 21. Somebody said, how long are you going to be in Revelation? I'm like, I don't know, you know. Um, we're, gonna, we're getting up in heaven, and we might get stuck there. We were stuck there for a while in the, uh, in the judgments, and so, but now we're in heaven. I kind of want to stay here for a while. Is that okay with you guys? So if you're new here, we go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through books of the Bible, and so we are at the end. We've made it to heaven. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 21, but before we get there, go ahead and put up that picture, Jeremy, of the White House. So back in uh, early uh, 2022, the Biden uh, did an executive order, and he did it concerning digital assets or or online currency, okay? And so that was already done. I think he did it back in March. Um, anyway, with that being said, we see now, recently, FTX, cryptocurrency, big fraud, big scam. A lot of people lost money, millions. If you're here, I'm sorry. Come see me if you need some benevolence. But there is a... There's a reality, guys, where we're going in Revelation, and what we've seen is that there's going to be one world currency. And so what we see happening with this scam, fear has happened. When fear happens, people look to someone else, hey, can you solve this problem? And so I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but this might be a pathway that we're going to see in the future because we know... Revelation chapter 13, we've already talked about it. There is going to be one currency in the world, and you're not going to be able to buy or sell unless you have the mark. So again, these types of things that are happening, and and by the way, Great Britain, um, they announced that they're kind of moving to that as well. And so you start to see this stuff happen. Listen, we are not the ones to be fearful. We are not the ones to be afraid. We know this is going to happen. We don't take this stuff by surprise, and we do not operate out of fear. We have to remain focused on where we're going. This world is not our home. And the good news of the gospel is this is that I belong to God. I'm his boy. I'm his child. I'm his son. And he's promised for me. I've never seen a righteous man begging in the streets. And because of Christ's blood, I am now the righteousness of God. He is promised there's not a sparrow that falls to the ground without him knowing. And how much more value do I have, do you have, than sparrows? Be encouraged. Our God's on the throne. 
Things are going to happen and go down just like the book said it's going to go down. But this shouldn't put fear in you, but should put a confidence because this world is passing away and this is not our home. Where's our home? Thanks for asking, Revelation 21. Verse 1, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. You could put a new kind. It is a completely different kind of thing that is coming. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. All the surfers, don't be alarmed. There's a river in chapter 22, okay, and, I, and, and you can do river surfing. Jeremy, if you can put up the cross-reference picture here. I'd like you guys to turn to Isaiah 51, please. Isaiah 51. Now, I've, I've, I came across this picture. In, in the Bible, there are uh, 340,000 cross-references in the Bible. Now, what does this mean? This means that the New Testament is the red, where the red starts, and it shoots all the way, all the way to, to the Old Testament, which is the blue, okay? So you see the, the Old Testament is bigger than the New Testament, more books, right? Larger um, uh, breadth of, 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 of books and chapters. But you see how there's a lot of cross-referencing going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. This is why, as believers, we need to have a grasp on the whole counsel of Scripture. And one of the things, as we're in Revelation chapter 21, this is not just a made-up thing by John, who is, who is on, on, the, on the, uh, Patmos, the island of Patmos, in prison when he wrote the book of Revelation. Understand, this isn't coming from John. This is coming from heaven. It's a revelation because this has always been planned in the heart of God. That's why I have you in Isaiah 51, verse 6. Isaiah 51, verse 6, please. The whole Bible goes together. It says, lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath, for the heavens vanish like smoke, and the earth will wear out like a garment. The earth is wearing out. Yes, I believe in biblical climate change. They who dwell in it will die in like manner, but my salvation will be forever and my righteousness will never be dismayed. So here scripture is saying there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth in the Old Testament thousands of years before. Let's go to Isaiah 65, 17. Isaiah 65, 17. Now, if you're taking note as a student, you should be writing down Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, these references in Isaiah so that you can read that and remember, hey, God's promises, they're not slack. This has been his plan from the beginning. Isaiah 65, 17, it says, for behold, I create you might want to highlight that. I create a new heaven and new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. By, right there, I have Revelation 21.4. Why? Because the language in Revelation 21.4 is you're not going to remember the former things anymore. He's going to make all things new. He's going to wipe away every tear. Everything is going to made, be made new. And Revelation 24 was spoken of in Isaiah 65.17 over a thousand years before Revelation 
was even born. This is why we know God is the author, because there's themes that are consistent throughout the Bible, throughout Scripture, where you have multiple authors, authors written over a thousand years, yet they are all connected to one another. They all build upon one another like this in the picture. Verse 18 of Isaiah 65, but be glad and rejoice forever in which I create. So scripture's telling you to be glad and rejoice on what I'm creating. Well, what is he talking about? He's talking about heaven. Last week, the main focus of the sermon was that we should set our minds on heaven and rejoice on heaven. Here in Isaiah 65, we're told the same thing. Rejoice in what is coming. Rejoice in in what is about to happen. Be glad and rejoice forever in which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem, verse 18, to be a joy and her people to be gladness. So three times in this passage so far that we've read, 65, 17, and 8, you see three times the word create. God is creating, he's creating, he's creating. That's important. We'll get into it in a minute. And her people will be gladness. Verse 19, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. Has that happened? No, it hasn't happened. But guess what? One day it is going to happen. Where? God, he is going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And here in Isaiah 65, 17 through 19, God is telling his people that something else is coming. And something else is what you need to put your hope in and wait for. Let's go to Isaiah 66, 2. Isaiah 66, 2. Please. For as the heavens, as the new heavens and the new earth, you might want to highlight that, the new heavens and the new earth that I shall make remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offering and your name remain. So God is saying that you can have confidence to the people of Israel that God is going to keep his covenant with them, that the name will remain the same, Your offspring will remain. I'm going to keep this covenant with you, and I'm going to put it on the fact that I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth. This is an amazing, amazing promise written over a thousand years prior to the writing of the book of Revelation. I want you now to go to the New Testament, 2 Peter 3.10. And why are we going to these different places? The reason why is because what's on the screen. I want... Our church, and it's really not what I want, it's what God wants, because pastors are supposed to teach the whole counsel of Scripture so that you're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, that you remain steadfast because new doctrines are going to come in in the last days, and people are going to be deceived, and God doesn't want his children deceived, and so we have to have a foundation of the whole counsel of Scripture. So, Second Peter, Second Peter, chapter three, verse thirteen. Excuse me, verse ten. 
Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. It says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Basically, nobody's going to be ready. Now, we're told to be ready, by, by the way. Matthew 24, stay awake, be ready. But it's going to come like a thief. The heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So here is the Apostle Peter writing this to the church. Again, agreeing with Isaiah, agreeing with John, who is in prison. And he's speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. Verse 11. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? So that is a question for you, church, today. What kind of people are you going to be? Are you going to be the kind of purpose person that lives with their earthly purpose here, where you're all in here, where your main focus is here, which, by the way, it's going to go and be, be dissolved. It's going away. It's going away. It's all going away. Or are you going to be the kind of person that says, you know what, I'm going to live for another land. This is not my home. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a sojourner. Verse 12, 2 Peter chapter 3. Waiting. You might want to highlight that. Waiting. Waiting. What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for a raise? At your job? No, I'm waiting for a different kind of raise. Beam me up, Scotty. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm, I'm waiting for a different raise. I'm waiting for something different. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, so we get our focus here, 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 here. I'm waiting for something else. My focus is somewhere else. I'm waiting on something else because you know what I know? Nothing here satisfies truly. Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. By the way, that's, that's biblical global warming. 13, but according to his promise, here we go again, we are waiting. See, while we walk, we wait. While we walk, we wait. We're waiting on God. We're waiting on the Lord. We're waiting on, 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 on him to come. We're waiting on where our true home is. Verse 13, but according to his promise, we are waiting for the new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. See, all of my heart is all in on that. It's not all in on that place in the mountains. My retirement, once I get my own house, once I'm married, once I finish college, once I get that good job, those things are secondary. Secondary, a distant secondary, by the way. I want all of my hope to be when my king comes with his kingdom. And that is my main priority. And my second priority, right, is that I'm, which he says, make this your first priority. Seek the kingdom first, right? What is seeking the kingdom first? It's two parts, two parts. 
heaven. That's where my whole hope lies. That's where everything is. I've sold it all for, for Jesus, my king, who is in heaven. I'm waiting on his kingdom. But also, the second, it's, it's like the first, but it's not the first. It's how can I bring heaven here? That's why Kevin made the announcement to say, hey, guys, we're going to bring heaven into a local housing project where to qualify, you have to be of a certain income that is low. And also, usually, there's broken homes there because to qualify, there needs to be some type of brokenness there. Not always, but usually. And as we've done our research, about 95% of the children that live in these places where we adopt, if you will, have no dad in the home. No dad. And let me say, that is the greatest poverty anybody can know. No father. Seek the kingdom first. Heavenly kingdom. And the second, while we're here, how can we bring heaven to earth, God? How can we bring heaven to earth? I want you to turn to John 18, please. Jesus was so focused on heaven, he moved differently. He moved differently. He's talking to Pilate in context. And the crowd is saying, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate's like, who are you, man? Are you a king? Jesus is like, yeah, who told you that, you know? And he's having this conversation with Pilate who says, you know, well, let's go ahead and read this, okay? Verse, verse 35, John 18. It says, what have you done? Pilate's asking that to Jesus. Jesus answered, my kingdom's not of this world. This, this is the one who we follow. Where was Jesus' mindset? It was on his kingdom. His kingdom, that is coming, his kingdom. It was focused on heavenly things. So he says that once. Then he says again, if my kingdom were of this world. So that's the second time he rela- he's, he's discussing another kingdom. My servants would have been fighting that I might not be li- delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of, that's the third time he references his kingdom, his kingdom, his heavenly kingdom. Then Pilate said to him, so you're a king? And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I've come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said, what is truth? What is truth? Jesus is the truth. And the truth is, this is not our home. And we will fight differently when all of our allegiance is to the kingdom of heaven. We'll fight differently. Jesus didn't fight like everybody else because this wasn't his kingdom. His focus and his allegiance were somewhere else. In church, if we're going to be the kind of people that God calls us to be in the world, we've got to begin to think like Jesus. How much of my life have I wasted trying to fight in order to win something here on earth. How much of my scrap, how much of my mental capacity has gone in trying to win something here on earth rather than, Jesus says, if you want to be first, be what? You know what? My kingdom's not here. 
Go ahead and take it. Everything's there. This is why kingdom people, when we live out Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we live differently than everyone else. Let's go back to Revelation. Keep your place in John, though. Keep your place in John. Go back to Revelation. All right, verse 2. And I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. That's our home, guys. That's our home. That's our home. That's our home forever, for eternity. And it's from God, from God. It's from God. It's not something you have to go get. It's given. This is good. Prepared. You might want to highlight that word prepared. Think about this. The God of all creation is preparing something for you right now as we speak. That is a mind-blowing thought. You're working so hard all of your life to get something when all you have to do is wait and it's going to be given to you. What a beautiful kingdom. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful idea. As a bride adorned for her husband. We're going to talk about that in a second, but that's a big deal right there. That's a big deal right there. But before we go there, I want to focus on that word prepared. I want you to keep your, I said, keep your place in John. I want you to go to John 14. Jesus is leaving and he's about to embrace the cross and he's going to be killed. And he's trying to encourage up his boys. He's trying to encourage up his his disciples. And he's like, don't let your hearts be troubled. And then he begins to say something here that's connected to, to Revelation 21, 2, John 14, 2 and 3. Listen to what he says. He says, in my father's house, there's many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to what? Prepare. There's that word again. Revelation 21.2. He's going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and what? Prepare a place for you. I will come again and I will take you to myself. That's his heart. He wants to be with us so that where I am, you may be also. So here we have the God of all creation, Jesus, Jesus, who, who is in the flesh, he's telling his disciples, because we know from Colossians chapter 1 that God created everything through Christ, that nothing was made apart from Christ, that God spoke, Genesis chapter 1, let there be, and there was. Let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be. Six days in a row, let there be. In six days, all we have is here now in this earth, the heavens and the earth. And by the way, that six days that was created, that's going to all dissolve and go away. But if he did this in six days, heaven he's been working on for how long? Over 2,000 years. Actually, more than that, because of Isaiah 65, remember that? He has something so 
mind blown. I should put that mind blown emoji. Guys, you can't even comprehend. You can't even fathom what God has in store for those that love us. Why is this important? Because what if persecution comes to our nation in this world? What if we're wrong about the pre-tribulation and it's actually pre-wrath and many people die and a gun is to your head? Will you deny Christ or we're going to kill your family? What are you going to do? What are you prepared to do? I'll never forget a message that I heard a long time ago in the Sudan where they are persecuting Christians and murdering Christians. The Muslims are. They're coming down. There was a story of this mom, seven children, deny Christ. I will not. And they killed one son, two, three, all seven children right in front of her. Deny Christ. I will not deny Christ. That was a person that was convinced that was all in on the kingdom of God, that believed Jesus was the truth and that this place is a light and momentary affliction. And I am all in with my king and his kingdom. And this world means nothing to me. You have to be, I have to be at a place where we're ready to stand. No, I will not take that mark. What if the mark comes before we, before we get taken up? Is, this, is heaven settled in your heart? Have you pledged allegiance to the kingdom of God over everything? Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He wanted them to be confident in that reality. When you look at the Hebrew tradition of marriage, this is the picture that Jesus was talking about where there would be an engagement. And after the engagement, the groom would go away back to his father's home and he would build a room on his father's home and his father's estate. And when that room was ready and he was ready to take his bride He would come, but he would come with a wedding procession. He would come with a trumpet blowing, announcing, hey, I'm here. And the bride's job was to be ready, was to be prepared, was to have oil in the lamp, was to have everything ready for when that groom comes, when that husband comes to take his bride so there would be a celebration. And what Jesus is saying, I'm going to go away and I'm going to prepare this place for you, heaven for you. You need to stay and you need to make yourself ready. You need to make yourself ready. That's why we read that in 2 Peter chapter 3. It's like, hey, we are waiting. We are making ourselves ready for what? For the wedding that's going to come. Our king is going to come. I want to be ready for that. I'm all in on that. I want you to look at 21.2 again. so excited that for what God has prepared and what an amazing thought 
What an amazing hope that Jesus, he's, he's giving us this passage because he, he wants us to be all in on the kingdom of God. I want you to look at, at, at verse 2 there. See how it says, as a bride adorned for her husband? As a bride adorned for her husband. Think about that for a second. Now, fellas, first of all, I'm glad it doesn't say, as a husband adorned for the bride, okay? <laughs> One of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen was my wife coming down the aisle. There was an anticipation. There was an excitement. There was an expectation. It was beautiful. It was glorious. She was radiant. And I'm just up there waiting. And when brides get ready for their wedding... It's not just uh, go, go down to, to, to Walmart or Target. It is an event. It may last weeks. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the show called Say Yes to the Dress. I don't recommend it, but people go into this store. So it's the girls are laughing. So <clears throat> fellas like, what's going on? Hey, don't worry about it, guys. See, see, this is why you don't want the husband preparing, Okay. You just want the bride, it's a bride prepared for her husband. There's a reason why this language is here. You go into the shop in New York somewhere, and the first thing they ask you, hey, what is your budget? And some people like $7,000, some people like $100,000, some people like no budget. And this is for a dress, by the way. And there's all these girls or family members, and it's this big event. It's a multi-time you know, event where they're picking out the perfect dress. Time, energy, effort. And then not only that, as girls are preparing, they're picking out flowers and they're doing fittings and there's this veil and there's this, this whole big thing. But us guys, my wife told me what I was going to wear. Yeah, like that tux. And for me, I never went with the guys. It's like, hey, go down to this store and go pick it out, man. And that was it. I want you to understand what God is saying. I am so excited. I am so looking forward to this. I'm preparing heaven for you like a bride prepares for her husband, not for a dude preparing. But there can be some excitement there. There can be a celebration there that we dwell on that. Man, and listen, there's no budget in heaven. There's no expense spared. Next week we'll get into this, but do you know it looks like from the numbers there's going to be 75 acres that you're going to own in heaven? Somebody did the math, okay? We'll get into that next week. Lord willing, unless Jesus comes back. Why do I make a point about this with the bride? It's time to move on, Chris. I know. But I want you to think about the excitement of a bride and how meticulous, how much she prepares. In fact, a lot of times I'm calling in a makeup person. I'm calling up in a hair person, right? And guys are like rolling out of bed. You know, let's do this thing. Anyway. 
as a bride prepared for her husband. Verse 3. And I heard a loud voice. A loud voice. Like there is an, a shout. There is an excitement from the throne. God is so excited for this. Are you excited for this? There is a shout, there is a praise, there is a joy, there is an anticipation coming from the throne and the declaration, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. I want you to highlight that because to me, out of this whole chapter, verse three is the most important verse. And we're gonna hang here for a while because I think and I believe wholeheartedly that this is the whole heart behind this whole thing. The dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, second time, dwell, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them. So here we have with them, we have another dwelling as their God. Dwelling with us is God's desire. Do you know what makes Christianity different from every other religion in the world? Every other man-made religion, you've got to work your way to God. You have to do things to please God. You have to do something. Christianity says God did it all. He sent his only son to come down to rescue you because he wants to dwell with you. He wants to be with you. He came down. He made a way. He did it. It was his idea, not yours. This is a beautiful, beautiful thought. And this has been his eternal intention. And sometimes, guys, we can focus on the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Sometimes we can focus on knowing God's word. Sometimes we can focus on discipleship and Bible study. And these things are all really, really good things. I'm not being negative in any way. They're needed things in the church. But sometimes we can miss the whole point of it all, which is this. God loves you, and he wants to be with you. He wants to be with you. All of this is so that he can take you in his arms and dwell with you. Eden, the word Eden, that means delight. The garden of delight. Man, God, he delights in us. Psalm 16.3 says, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Not some of my delight, but all of my delight is in you, is in you, is in you. And some of you need to receive this this morning. That God just wants to be with you. He wants to dwell with you. That was the heart behind the cross. It's his eternal intention his longing, his passion. And when he was in Eden, which means delight, he was delighted to walk with Adam, to walk with him, to give Adam and Eve a perfect environment to live in. And he would walk with them in the cool of the day. Do you know God wants to walk with you and be with you always? It's his heart. God was delighted to dwell with you and me. You know, in the New Testament, after the fall, after sin entered, God, he created a tabernacle. 
And the purpose behind the tabernacle, in fact, Exodus 25 through 40 is the instructions on the tabernacle and the building of the tabernacle. There was a lot of time, energy, and effort put into that. Why? What was the purpose between the, behind the tabernacle? Because God wanted to dwell with his people. He wanted to put his presence with sinful, sinful people. And so that had to be created because if people caught his holiness and just flippantly came in to dwell in his holiness, they would die. It is why the priests of God in the Old Testament have this thing where the Ark of, of the Covenant was, and there was a veil, and behind the veil was the Ark, and the priest could only go behind the veil only one time a year. And when they went behind the veil one time a year, there was bells on the bottom of their priestly robe and a rope that was tied to their ankles. And when they would go in and their heart wasn't right before the presence of God, the bells would quit jingling, and they would drop dead right there. The the people outside would hear that the priest dropped dead and they would take that rope and they would pull him out of the holy of holies. God is holy. He's holy. And the purpose of the cross was to take care of our sin because God is holy. He's never going to change being holy. We're not. But now, because of the cross, the veil was torn and we now get to go into the holy of holies. In fact, we are now New Testament, the Holy of Holies. Again, this is God's intention to dwell with us. He calls himself Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. He wants to be with us. When we look at Jesus and his disciples, Mark 3, 14, he called the 12 and he says, I want them with me. I called them to be with me. And he was with them. He was with them before he sent them out. That's a big deal. There's so many people that are sent out that haven't been with Jesus. So he gets misrepresented. He says that they might be with me. I want you to go back to John 17, please. Jesus is about to embrace the cross. He's praying for his disciples. John 13 through 17 is one night. It's one night with his 12. It's an intimate night. And he is just expressing to them how much he loves them. And now he begins to pray for them. I want you to see this, John 17, 3. By the way, this is the only definition in the Bible for eternal life. John 17, 3, and this is eternal life, that they know you. The word know, that is an intimate knowing. Why? Because he delights in you. He wants to dwell with you. He wants to be with you. The only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. I want you to go down to John 17, verse 20. Jesus is continuing to pray, and now he begins to pray for us, by the way. 
I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's me, and hopefully that's you. Verse 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I want you to highlight in 21 that they also may be in us. What is that? What is that? He wants to dwell with us. He wants to dwell with us. Verse 22, the glory that you've given me, I've given to them that they may be one even as we are one. 23, I in them, again, dwell, dwell. He wants to dwell with us. I in them and you and me, that they become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you've loved me. Father, I desire also that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. He wants us with him to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and here it is again, highlight it, and I in them. God's desire is union with us. It's union with us. It's to dwell with us. It's God with us. Now, some of you feel like you're abandoned. Some of you feel like you're alone. Some of you feel like nobody wants you. Some of you feel like you're rejected. This is what Scripture declares. You're not. You're wanted. You're passionately wanted. So much so, Jesus Christ embraced the cross, and he was willing to be spit on, murdered, have his back ripped out, have his hands and his nails, uh, hands and his feet nailed to the cross, had a spear stuck in his side, crown of thorns on his head, and completely humiliated just to have you in his arms, just to be with you, just to dwell with you, because this, from beginning to end, is the intention of God throughout Scripture. And you can't miss this, that God wants to dwell with me. Do you ever feel like Christian? I feel so far away. I feel like God's not around. I feel like I lost his presence. Well, let me just tell you something. Don't trust that feeling. Trust this, that he is the one who said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm going to dwell with you. It is my cry. It is my prayer from John 17 that I want to be with you. You're wanted. You're loved. Depression, go in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. Anxiety and fear, you're not alone. This is the intention of God. You're never alone. He's with you. He is Emmanuel. And his whole heart is to dwell with you. See what kind of love the Father has given to us? That we should be called children of God. And so we are because he desires to dwell with us. Now, when we collectively come together, I want you to turn to Ephesians, please. Ephesians. When we collectively come together, Jesus made this promise in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. He said that when two or three gather in my name, I'm in their midst. This is why church 
is so important. This is why Hebrews 10.25 says, as you see the day approaching, all the more, don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. Those of you online, hey, quit it, get in here. We, when we come together, we collectively become the dwelling place of God as well. And again, this is the intention of God. This is the purpose of the church, that the presence of God would be in our midst, would be in this place. He is here right now. He is the one in Revelation that says, I walk through the midst of the lampstands. He is with us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. And he put all things under his feet, and he gave him as the head over all things to the church, which is his body. I, 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 I am like, it's mind blowing for me. Oh, I love Jesus, but I don't love his church. That's not biblical. That doesn't even make sense. You can't not love the church and love Jesus. They go together. It's his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He is here. He's in our midst. I want you to flip over to Ephesians 2. 18, please. For through him, Jesus, we have both access in one spirit to the Father. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you're also being built together into what? A dwelling place. Oh man, Revelation 21.3. The dwelling place of God is with man. And here we see this is the intention for the church of Jesus Christ, that, the, that the peop, this would be a place where Jesus dwells. He dwells in our midst. I want you to turn to Ephesians 3. This idea, guys, 1 Corinthians 6, it talks about that that we're a temple now of the Holy Spirit because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. We are a temple of God. And we become, as we come together, the dwelling place of God. That is his heart's desire. Ephesians 3, 14, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell. There's that word dwell again. You need to highlight it, right? Revelation 21.3. In your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love, that you may have the strength to comprehend, meaning you can't fully comprehend this. This is why you need to continue to meditate on it. With all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever 
and ever. Amen. The whole purpose, guys, is that God wants to dwell with us. He wants to be with us because he loves us. From beginning to the end of the Bible, this is why, this is why, because he is love and he wants his children to come to him. Worship team, come on up here. We're going to spend some time worshiping God. Some of you understand that, hey, there needs to be a renouncing of your allegiance to things here. That you would say, you know what, Jesus, I'm all in on your kingdom first. This is all going to dissolve and help me to be focused on how I can bring your kingdom to earth, how I can live with a heavenly perspective continually. Our prayer partners will be up here if that's something that you want to pray for somebody. I like prayer partners and I like confession because Scripture says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When I humble myself before my brothers and sisters and I confess my sins, I know that attracts the grace of God. So that's why I prefer the body coming together for prayer. But you don't have to come. However you feel led. Also, listen, the purpose, the purpose of the cross was to take away our sin so that we, we, as we put her, God is just so excited. He's been preparing it like a bride would for her wedding day. He can't wait to be with us. He can't wait to dwell with us. He can't wait to wipe away every tear. He can't wait to make all things new. He can't wait to do that. But is that your heart? Is that your heart? Is that our heart? Is that our posture? So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray today, God, that, that there would just be a reviving, breaking out. That's your people, God. That's your people. We begin to live as if Revelation 21 is a reality. That our allegiance would be completely to your kingdom. We would love you, Jesus, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we would receive the love and the affection that you have for each one of us. And you spilled your blood. You gave up your life just to have us in your arms to dwell with us. So, Father, I just ask in the name of Jesus that you would just pour out your spirit in this place, that there would be a greater revelation of just the love that you have for your children as you desire to dwell with us. May we worship you now like we never have before. We love you, Jesus, and we await your return. Continue to have your way in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. 
Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.